0: How do you define a successful life? If your answer can be summarized as earthly excellence and sacred significance, you're at the right place. Join host Stephanie Smith as she shares three keys unlocking a life of lasting purpose. Learn yourself, love God, and live connected. You'll become smarter about yourself, skilled in human dynamics, savvy about the Christian faith, and strengthened to pass this wisdom on to upcoming generations. And now, let's get started. Welcome back to Life's Key 3, where we dive into the key three aims of life. Learn yourself, love God, and live connected. Because everything in life can be summarized in those three areas. We are continuing with our dive into the Gospel of John. And today, we're going to be looking at the first 21 verses in chapter 10. Jesus is teaching here and he uses an analogy of sheep. Now, this was something that the people in his time could relate to. Jesus always used language and references that people understood. And it's important for us, whether in a professional capacity or in personal conversations. Jesus never talked down to people, he talked with them. His motivation was to connect not impress. In our culture today, here in the United States, sheep keeping is not a major profession. You can drive through a lot of different states and you will still see a lot of cattle, but you are not going to see a lot of sheep. Now, I have a heart daughter who loves sheep and hopes to someday have some to raise, and I'm confident that that will someday happen for them. And when it does, I'm going to learn a whole lot more about sheep because that is one animal that we didn't have on our farm growing up. But we did have chickens. And one thing that I know about chickens is you have to lock them up every night and you have to let them out every morning unless you're wanting to raise food for the nearby wildlife or roaming dogs. And while I don't have firsthand experience with sheep, I have read and heard that there's a lot of similarities in different ways. Now, anytime people really are into a certain animal, it's like when they're into a certain sport. It is the best animal. These are the smartest animals. The, you know, it's like a, a basketball player. I mean, basketball, it's tough and it's complex, and there's all these skills and everything you have to know. But if they're not a soccer player, for example, then it's kind of like, well, you know, soccer is just you got to run down the field and kick a, a ball in a net. And, and animals can become like that for people. So people who are dog lovers can tell you all things about dogs. But, you know, cats and they're just kind of these base animals. Well, sheep are one of those animals that it's easy to kind of drive by. Um, and see them out in a field or look at them in a picture and think oh those look like nice big fluffy you know creatures how hard could they be to raise but the little bit that I do know about sheep is they're actually a very fragile and yet strong animal at the same time and they are a perfect description for us as human beings because on one hand we are incredibly strong resilient creatures at the same time we are incredibly Incredibly vulnerable creatures as well. Well, in Jesus' time, shepherds and sheep were an integral part of the culture. So um, the the people listening to him would have totally understood the complexities and all of the dynamics as he was talking about sheep. And so what he talks about here in the beginning part of chapter 10 of the Gospel of John is he's contrasting himself with a thief and himself as a door. He says, I am the door of the sheep. You see, what would happen is sheep would have to be gathered up and they would have to be put into a sheepfold. Think of a corral for cattle, or maybe it's a pen for chickens. Something that the sheep could be corralled into that would keep them contained. So one, they wouldn't just wander off. And two, it would provide protection from them, from intruders, which included thieves in past history in the United States. Being a horse thief was such a terrible crime in certain parts of the, the country that the punishment for that could be death. And the reason for that wasn't just because you had a powerful political lobby for horses. It's because a person's life could rest upon their, their horse. There were also some stiff penalties for cattle thieves and cattle rustlers. In the same way, thieves would want to come in and to steal sheep. And Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep. You see, the door to that sheepfold provided protection. It showed who had legitimate access to the sheep and who didn't. Thieves weren't going to come and try to open the front door to get in because the shepherd was going to be posted at that door to keep guard over. it. So a thief was going to try to sneak in another way. Just because somebody shows up in your life doesn't mean they should have access to you or to your children. There are people who want to steal, kill, and destroy you and your children. Because Jesus said the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, this isn't just referred to armed robbers who want to steal your possessions and kill you physically. We may encounter that in our lifetime, but at least here in the States, the Statistical probability of that happening is incredibly small. However, there are plenty of people who want to steal your innocence, kill your opportunities, destroy your reputation, damage, just steal, kill, and destroy your identity. And this isn't just about people who show up in person that you can see face-to-face. Again, that's really in the minority. It's much more people who are producing movies, videos, music shows, memes, books, all kinds of visual and printed content that are designed to steal your innocence, kill your identity and destroy your reputation and your relationships. And this isn't just true for you as an adult, it's especially true in the push towards our children. You know, we have so many different messages right now that even want to destroy our children's common sense, which is God's universal grace, and to destroy and distort their moral compass. And we see that increasingly happening at an alarming rate. Evil has 0 good in it 0 none nada nothing god's enemy which is what is behind every person who aligns their life with with him wants to kill steal and destroy everything that god created not just some things every last thing this includes the created physical world it also um involves and, and includes intangible items like beauty and truth and goodness. It also includes people, not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, sexually, and spiritually. You see, just as God's love is boundless and is infinite, evil is infinite in its aim to destroy. And this is why we need Jesus to be the door in our life that decides who and what we open ourselves up to. And this includes us also as parents. The second way that Jesus identifies himself in this passage is as a good shepherd. And he contrasts this as being the difference between a shepherd and a hired hand. You see, a hired hand had a job. A shepherd had an investment of ownership. So think about the difference between a business owner and an employee. And Jesus says that when the wolf shows up, the hired hand is going to look out for himself. His first aim is going to be self-protection, not sheep protection. And he's going to run off, leaving the sheep to fend for themselves. The shepherd, however, who has ownership in the sheep, will fight to protect the sheep, even at risk to his own life. At this time, Jesus knows his crucifixion is getting close, and he states that he has a charge from the Father, from God, to lay down his life, which he will do so willingly. No one is going to steal, kill, or destroy his life. He willingly gives it up. And again, he's speaking words that at the moment are kind of confusing, but they will have significant meaning to his followers after his crucifixion. What would look to them at that time like Jesus being overpowered and conquered by his enemies was actually the greatest human triumph of all time. And that willingness to lay down his life not only gave us a way to salvation, it's also a model for us. You see, sometimes God will call us to do things that can look to all the rest of the world like a waste of our life. But in fact, it's exactly the opposite. And today, the Good Shepherd, Jesus, continues to fight for us. He continues to protect us. He continues to warn us about wolves which are on the prowl the sins that are lying in wait to pounce, the dangers of not listening to his voice and going our own way. Jesus doesn't just identify himself as a shepherd, but he is the good shepherd. He is for us. We are safe with him. We can rely on him. That does not mean that we are never going to experience an attack from a wolf. The reality is, we live in a fallen world. We have our own battles that we have to deal with, with the tendencies towards sins and vulnerabilities that are unique and specific to us. And then we live in a world where there are general pulls into all different type, types of things that would pull us and lead us away from Christ, from not following him, and from not staying in, in the sheepfold, if you will. But Jesus wasn't just a good shepherd at one point when he lived here on earth. He continues to be our good shepherd and someone that that we can rely on. And even when we have those things that just like Jesus' death looks like failure, it looks like evil has triumphed, that's when we can trust that, no, there is something bigger here that we cannot see in the moment But God has not abandoned us. After Jesus says these things, and and he, he talks about these things, and he says, I am the door of the sheep. And then he says, not only am I the door of the sheep, but I am the good shepherd. The people's response is, again, divided. We've been watching this all through the Gospel of John. And so some say, he is demon-possessed and is insane. Listening to him is a waste of time. And then others say, no, 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 there's no way a person with a demon could could open the eyes of the blind. So we see this increasing disparity and the extremity of how people are responding to Jesus as he goes throughout his ministry. When Jesus' words were difficult to believe, His actions supported his claims, and this is so important for us to remember. Actions will always trump words when there's a discrepancy between what someone says and what they do, always, every single time. When you speak truth, expect divided reactions. You may have wildly different reactions, just as Jesus did here. You know, we've been watching these people become increasingly extreme in their assessments of Jesus, you know, throughout this gospel. But what we have to also understand here is we don't want to misuse or isolate this truth. We have far too often seen leaders who have pointed to opposition as validation of their message oh, look, what I'm saying must be right. What we're trying to accomplish here in this church or organization must be God's work. Otherwise, we wouldn't be getting attacked the way that we are. It is not opposition that validates or invalidates a message. It's alignment between words and actions alongside a holistic and correct interpretation of Scripture that validates or invalidates a message. Every single time a prominent leader or organization has fallen, there has always been misalignment between what was being said and what was being done. Every single time. Sometimes that misalignment is covered up, it's excused, it's minimized, but it's always there. Truth never fears the light or intense scrutiny. You see, Jesus didn't just teach people and then disappear somewhere. Yes, he had his times of solitude, but he dwelt among us. He lived among people. He ate with them. He he shared his entire life with them. His life was an open book. He invited scrutiny and examination. And again, from this passage, we see that truth will always divide, but we want to see that in the context of Jesus' entire life and ministry so we don't extract just part of that, And misuse that either for ourselves or when we are examining and evaluating other individuals to be able to say, again, that just because there is division, that does not, or opposition, that doesn't validate or invalidate a message. It's alignment between words and actions and scripture that validate or invalidate whether someone and, and the ideas that they are promoting are from God or not. So wrapping up, number one, we want to choose Jesus to be the door which grants access to the people, the ideas and messages for us and if we're parents, for our children. And again, this isn't just people who are physically present and in our lives, but people who are behind the messages that that we receive, whether it's through media, through entertainment, through movies, um, whatever it is, we want to say is Jesus the door that grants access to these messages and ideas or not. Secondly, it is to trust that Jesus is still the good shepherd who continues to care for, guide. Protect and provide. And third, know that truth, if you speak truth, it's going to bring division. It may be within your own family, it may be within your own circle of friends or community, but there should never be a division between what someone says and does. There should always be a welcome and appropriate willingness to be um, scrutinized, to be examined, to live in the light. All right, my friend, that's going to wrap up this episode for the uh, first part of John chapter 10. And remember this, you do have an impact that is immeasurable, eternal, and irreplaceable. And that is why it is so important for you to think deeply, live intentionally, and engage fully in God's grand story. See you next time. Thank you for listening. For information on speaking engagements and other resources, visit the website at stephaniepresents.com. Remember, learn yourself, love God, and live connected.